that light a little bit. Okay. I'm Peter. I'm a very spiritual speaker. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm humble. Okay, let's get that out of Okay. Um, Peter, recovered alcoholic. Uh, grateful to be here and uh, get to share a little bit more on uh, step 11 tonight and, uh, and see where God takes me. I'm usually totally unprepared for these things uh, before I come speak. Uh, my preparation is yesterday and today and last week and the week before that. And I try to be, uh, my sponsor would call it a hollow bone, an empty vessel to go do these things and have no interference um, to go speak. Uh, part of my 11th step, and I take that into when I get to do these things, is uh, a fasting. Those that are close to me know I usually fast at least four hours before I get to a podium, sometimes longer. Um, I drink very little. Maybe I cheat with a cup of coffee before I speak just to get the heart going and get a pulse. But um, I'm very strict with that. And uh, very often I would uh, observe uh, uh, silence around the house. Uh, I don't watch a lot of television. I don't listen to a lot of radio. Um, and sometimes observe a fast. Uh, there was a time when uh, every couple of weeks I would observe a fast on Saturdays uh, from the time I woke up uh, till I went to bed at night. The only thing I would do uh, is have some fruit uh, so the sugar would maintain a, a healthy level. Otherwise, I'd probably collapse with the way my sugar operates. But uh, that would be it in water. And um, I, it was a cleansing uh, for me and a purification uh, that I work with. So when I get to do these things, um, I'm usually real quiet. I fast. I don't really get into a lot of a talking and caught up in a lot of stuff. And it seems to keep my center um, not only to do this, but just in general. Uh, God separated me from alcohol June 23rd, 1988. And I get to talk about being recovered. Um, with the 11th step, there's someone who's, uh, I read a lot about her and she's a hero. And I, I've done this before here. I just want to share again. And she says the following. It says, people are often uh, unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. You find happiness, people uh, may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. <clears throat> and there's a woman who dedicated her life to poverty and helping others. And she had that spirit and changed lives. Uh, and what she says at the end is between us and God, not us and the masses. Never play to the crowd. Never try to get approval from other people because we will always be disappointed. Everyone has clay feet and some are sicker than others. And so we try to keep our center, center being God, God-centered rather than self-centered, God-reliant rather than being self-reliant. And people may bruise our feelings so from time to time. We'll get pushed around and knocked back and we'll wonder what was that all about. But if my, <clears throat> my center is God and I'm clear, so I can hear, um, I will get back on the, on the horse and keep riding and learn to forgive them. The great quote that I love is, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, so to share with you how that comes into my life, and, and part of the 11th step isn't just in the morning upon awakening praying, and then doing meditation, and then running out the door and say, okay, world, here I come, and then walk into a meeting at night and pretend we're Moses. 
and uh, maybe do a little spot check during the day with step 10 and get home at night and do some inventory, prayer meditation, go to bed. And really during the day, nothing was accomplished. Part of the 11th step is on awakening to take that, get centered with prayer meditation is what I do. Uh, and the words just are conveying a thought. Our words in any language, English language, really don't uh, uh, convey what we're trying to say. When we say the Lord's Prayer, our Father, I mean, it's just two words, but what, it, what we're praying to transcends the words. And each one of us, our Father, has a different meaning. My sponsor had me meditate on the words, our Father, for six months. I was working with Sermon on the Mount. And he goes on to explain and breaks down the prayer. And my job, my assignment was for the next six months, when you go into meditation, meditate on those two words, our Father. What does that mean? And you get to see how... Those two words, but the feeling behind it transcends the language. So when I pray in the morning, I'm offering thoughts. I'm offering uh, uh, ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking uh, uh, freedom. I'm throwing myself at the mercy of God. But really what's behind the words is what counts. And more important is when I get up off my knees and I go out there. How's my 11th step then? Because most folks don't care I go to AA. Most folks don't care anything about what I do. Most folks have their own agenda, their self-interest, and their egos at play. How am I going to get through that? So uh, I had a, a fabulous Thursday uh, through the holidays, fabulous Friday, uh, incredible Saturday at, at services, and, and yesterday was a very important holiday for me, and I was able to sit on two services, and I got to spend a day with my dad, his wife, Marion and some friends, and we had a blast. And uh, so I came into work this morning, and at around 9:02, um, it it just went nuts at work. And um, it's really interesting how um, how hurtful someone you're close to when they say unkind things can be, how they pierce. And so at around 10 after 9, um, there was an altercation, and someone was coming right at me. I mean, just just right at me, and, and false accusations, and I was taken back because this person is so close to me. Now, what am I going to do with that? So, it's a work environment, and I need to maintain integrity at work and protect my staff and some other things, so I have to draw a little line in the sand, and uh, now what? Do I go through the day uh, assassinating this person's character because they hurt my feelings? You know, they upset my serenity, and um, what, what do I do with that? Well, here's the neat thing. I didn't have to remember to be forgiven. I didn't have to remember to practice love and tolerance. I didn't have to remember to pray for them. It's who I be. And when things like that happen, it's a real good idea. You get a real good barometer check as to where we are in the spiritual path. Because people are going to do things that hurt us. We live in a world of impermanence and things, things are going to leave. So what I did around 9.30, I had uh, stopped by uh, uh, this woman's program that I'm in charge of, and I got my car, and I wrote some inventory, and I made some prayer. It was a prayer of forgiveness for those people who hurt me, and I had a great morning. I had a great day at work. It was actually very productive, and that's where it is, and I'll continue to pray for this person. Now, I didn't invent that, and I didn't have to remind myself of that, and I'm like, well, I'm a spiritual person because James said so, so I have to really <laughs> practice these principles. It's really what, how God has made me. So how am I doing when I'm going through the day after getting up off my knees and praying, however we pray, and I'm out there and the world isn't kind? 
Or maybe I'm reading some headlines in the news that I'm really, really uh, uh, getting angry about. Or people are not just doing what I want to do. I quickly see <clears throat> how I'm playing God, how I'm the director, how this person was supposed to act to me on a Monday morning, and they weren't following my script. They weren't owning when I walked in the office. And I got to see someone who's sick and untreated who I, who I adore, and I would do anything to help them. But I can't get in the way of their, their bottom either. And so I got back on a horse, and I worked with this stuff. And when I came home earlier, um, I got some quiet time and some meditation time. And my prayers and meditation were not for me today. It was for this other person. So I'm here to speak tonight and free of that this morning. That was a long time ago. That was maybe eight, nine hours ago. So I'm not up here talking with still wearing a resentment that happened at nine o'clock, which a lot of us do. We walk at resentments for days and weeks and months and years, and that will infect everything we do. So how am I doing part of the 11th step when we're talking about walking, walking the spiritual path, living a spiritual life? Part of it is forgiveness. The interesting thing about forgiveness is when I forgive you for things you've hurt me with, I get free. First, I let you off the hook. Lord knows when I go to God for forgiveness, or I come to you for forgiveness, I want to be forgiven now. As if it never happened. So can I do that with other people when they do wrongs towards me or even towards others? So part of this 11th step has a lot to do with forgiveness. God, I go to God often and forgive me. I had bad thoughts about someone. How could I make it right? Part of my life is forgiveness. And in forgiveness, there's a tremendous amount of healing that takes place. I actually did studies on this. That when I forgive someone for something they've done to me, something gets released in the brain. It's just, I don't know much about it, but it's, it's, a, it's a, a healing that goes on. They documented this stuff. And I remember years ago, there were the L.A. riots with this guy, Rodney King. And there were a bunch of guys who pulled a truck driver out of the truck. And they hit him over the head with a cinder block. They almost killed him. And on national TV, they were all together. And he forgave them. The Pope, uh, who's passed on, the last Pope, we, uh, two Popes ago, he forgave this person who tried to shoot him and kill him. And most civilians would say, well, that's crazy. No, it isn't. When we're living along the lines of human consciousness, it's crazy. It's bizarre. Why would I forgive these people? When we're in the lo living along the lines of God consciousness, it makes perfect sense. You can't live without doing that. And what happens is I get free of what happened and the healing begins. Now, here's what the problem is. The ego's involved in all of this. Now, I love my wounds. I love my hurts. I love my drama. I love my story. It's part of me. It's part of my life. It's part of what I come at you with. And the very frightening thing is when they say, Pete, we know you've been hurt. We know you've been wounded. We know you've been violated. Can you heal that and move on and leave it there? After the work was done with God and 12 steps and perhaps outside help like therapy, can you leave it there or are you going to walk around with it? And it looks like this. People will come up to you and say, how are you doing? I'm, you know, hanging in there. First of all, that's the bad one. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Ha I'm hanging in. You know, I'm, I'm hanging in. And then they'll ask you, so what's going on? Well, I'm working through something. We're always working through something. Well, they'll ask you a simple question, a yes or no answer, and we give them four hours of our drama, our entire life. Or we'll get upset when someone challenges us on past hurts. 
when are you going to work through this? Isn't it time you move on now? You've been in your fourth step forever. How about letting this stuff go? And we, we, take, we get taken aback by that. We become defensive with that. How dare you strip me of my wounds and my sword? That's my story. And the problem is we never heal. It's more frightening to get free of that and go out there and live life on God's terms than to sit with this stuff. We'd rather sit in our old wounds, whether I don't care what the wounds are, there's a time and place in this process that we have to put it to bed, heal it, and move on. Because if we don't, my experience has been, in my living now, I'm still listening to voices of the past. I'm never free. And if I don't get free in my past, how could I be present now? How could I be effective agent? How could I really experience God when those things from the past are really my God? I pay homage to my hurts. I pay homage to my wounds. They're the most important thing. This is me. There's a great exercise that this, uh, this one author talks about in this book. He says, the practice of no name. And what he does, he gives this example of, my name is, is Peter Marinelli, Italian-American from New York. My family's this. I have my wounds. I have my hurts. I have my family, the social mores. I grew up all this stuff. And you put it in this big basket. That's me. All the heartbreaks, all the disappointments, all the resentments, all my stuff. That's my story. I throw it over my back and I go through life with it. That's my story. My family's crazy. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And it goes on and on and on. Just ask me. I will gladly tell you of all my hurts. And that becomes our identification as to who we be. No, those are things that have happened to us. At one point, there's a book that came out called Drop the Rock. At one point, am I going to like, enough? And we won't do that. I won't do that because stepping out into the world raw without my story is awfully scary. And what <clears throat> this author talks about, and it takes some work. <clears throat> Can you give me that drink, please? I need a drink to do this. Huh? Thank you. What he talks about doing is going into meditation <clears throat> with no name. And what he means by that is, we stop putting our stuff in this basket. We put a lid on it. And I go into meditation, and I have no name. You know my name is Peter Marinelli. No name. I have no family. My, my heritage is in Italian. I'm not an American. Nothing. Purely spirit. Now, that takes some work, and it's a focus. And at the beginning, it felt very awkward and weird and like, what is this all about? And at one point, after working with this for weeks and weeks, it clicked. And in meditation, it was just spirit. All the Peter Marinelli means certain things. 5'11", 185, from Brooklyn, recovering alcoholic, seven treatment centers, homeless, violated, abused. It goes on, dump all, it was no more. Those are things that have happened to me. It doesn't determine who I be anymore. How could it? But yet my mind wants to wrap its arms around all of that and say, this is my story, and we never, ever get free if we're in AA 50 years. We go to therapy for 50. We can pray and meditate till the cows come home. I'm not letting go of the past. Now, you can't just let go of it. There's some work we need to do with, with the steps, and some of us need outside help. But I wasn't putting anything else in a basket. And I sat in meditation, just spirit, just spirit, with breath. I have no origin, if that makes sense. 
And at some point it clicked and the feeling was euphoric and freeing. And I got to step back and look at my life as it was, no longer is. That make sense? That's what happened to me. And I got to see for the first time my parents' wounds. I got to see people who hurt me, their wounds, and the, cir- the cycle that they were in, the tornado they were caught up in. What do I expect people to do when they're living that kind of life? Into their own stuff. And it's tough to admit that even our parents who we know love us can be very selfish and self-centered and self-seeking. <clears throat> Most of the planet's that way. Oh, not my parents. Your parents, not mine. No, they were. And they didn't mean to hurt, but they did. I got to step back and see I'm a direct extension of this power called God, that there was no separation between me and God, a physical extension of that power which can't be seen, but certainly experienced. It was an incredible thing that went on for me, kind of playing with this 11th step and working with new meditation practices. Am I willing to let go of the hurts from the past? How could I be present if I'm driven by voices of the past? And a lot of it begins with the spirit of forgiveness for, towards others. There were people, I had a, uh, there was a, uh, someone, a distant relative, who did bad things to me when I was a kid. And I had to pray for the willingness to forgive this person because I wasn't up to the plate yet. Well, okay, I'm ready to forgive. It was a long road for me to even get there, but I prayed for the willingness to forgive this person. Now, the thing about forgiveness doesn't mean that you and I are going to be best friends if I forgive you if you've hurt me. It just means I let myself free of that. Even let them get free opportunity to heal. It doesn't mean we're going to hang out and break bread and we're going to be best friends and sing songs around the campfire. In fact, it, it, most often we'll never see each other again. I'm not going to deal with you anymore, but you're not going to hurt me either. But I get free in the spirit of forgiveness. And some of us have had some horrific things happen to us, and I don't want to minimize that at all. But the 11th step, we look at it, <clears throat> two sentences about, well, it's a few sentences in the 11th step, and we think that's it. And what the steps are, are just bullet points to do work behind. There's a lot behind each step. So, you know, sort through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood and pray for the only knowledge of his will and the power to carry it out. Okay, we're done. There's work and there's years of discipline. And where the 11th step can take us, we don't know. Because it's limitless. We're talking about the boss now. We're talking about having direct line to this power called God. And when I'm open to that, it means I can hear God and other people, including the man or woman one day just coming back. And if I'm able to do that, my ego has shut down for a little bit. Lots of practices in meditation. And a lot of times we don't talk about meditation in AA because some folks don't do it. So how can we talk about something we don't do? We'll share from the floor about meditation is important. When you go to that person, what's your meditation life like? They don't have an answer because we don't do it. And you have a, 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 a group of folks in AA who hear meditation and literally meditating. They think that's an outside issue. It's Eastern philosophy. It is not. How silent do we get? How often do I touch the sacred silence? And I can't create that which already exists. It's already there. What I'm doing is stepping into something that's already there. It's always there. And my mind would tell me I need to create sound. I need to be still. There's no work involved if I just sit in posture and breath and be still. There's the silence. 
where's the noise from the head? <clears throat> and I got to see how much noise was going on in me when I tried to get sound for the first time and working in 11 step. What made it a lot easier for me was going through 1 through 9 and clearing out self, killing off a whole bunch of self, taking a, a sledgehammer to the ego. was still there. The self was still there, but a lot less impact on me, and it freed me up a little bit to kind of stretch in step 11. So to really have an effective 11-step, I need to do the work in 1 through 9, enter the world of the spirit. Work with the disciplines of step 10. Work with the disciplines of 11. It's growing and understanding and effectiveness. I don't graduate. And I need to be seeking, I still do it, need to be seeking counsel from other people. I think I heard God's voice, God told me to do this, and a sponsor say, that wasn't God, that was your ego. Or he might say, well, that sounds genuine, that sounds right, let's do it. But I need to seek counsel. And I can get into a lot, a lot of us can get into trouble if we don't have someone who's seeking counsel with the sponsor. A great event happened to me years ago. I was about nine years sober and working with prayer meditation and visiting my, my religious community and lighting these candles and, and with no expectation, just lighting candles, uh, uh, one for sick and suffering and one for my mom. And I was doing this right out of the starting gate of sobriety. And I look back on it. That was God's hand touching me because what alcoholic and addict with about 30 days is interested in another alcoholic getting well? None of us are. It's all about us. But God had me get away from me and light for the, a candle for the sick and suffering and one for my mom who had passed on. And I didn't know what was going on. I was just faithfully, every week, sometimes twice a week, I would go into my religious, into my church, light two candles, make prayer and go. And then when the ground was fertile enough, God delivered something, a banquet to me, soul food. That completely changed my life forever. I think I shared last week, experiencing God is like death and falling in love. It's unexpected and unprecedented when it happens. Just boom, there it is. And when God shows up, God shows up. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But when that power touches you, whether it's in an event or just sitting all alone, but when God touches you, you know it. It's profound. It's mood-altering. It's life-changing. It's a complete reversal on everything. Common sense becomes uncommon sense. My views about life, my perceptions about life, even my language changes. And part, the byproduct of that is I'm willing to forgive people. And my ego has gotten a little bit quiet. Oh, it's still there. I don't know when the ego will ever go away. I don't know if self will ever go away completely, probably when he calls me home. But from day one to day, almost 26 years later, how much ego is involved in my life? You be the judge of that. I like to think it's shut down a little bit. You be the judge of that. How much self is involved? You be the judge of that. I just know my days are not full of drama and headaches and tension. Or there's things that show up that get me sometimes and I'll wrestle. You know how we wrestle with stuff. I'll figure this out. We all like to figure stuff out. And then the quiet voice goes, what are you doing? Why are you fighting again? The book says we cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Alcohol is an afterthought. How am I doing with my life? What am I wrestling with? Finances, relationships, uh, 
work is, what, what's that look like? How much drama, how much, how much stuff am I torn up in? How much power am I giving to people other than God? Yet I'm claiming God in an AA meeting. Oh, I love God, God's everything. And someone pisses me off and they own me for the next six hours. Well, where's God? Oh, so I'm a liar. That's what my sponsor would tell me. Oh, so you're a liar. You just talked about God, but Joe got you angry. You're obsessed with Joe, so I guess he's God. So you're a liar. Whether I'm working or playing, it should all look the same, huh? If I'm really living this spiritual path, if I'm really walking this walk. The other thing that's happened to me with step 11, uh, uh, there was a time in my sobriety where um, I would pay attention. I was big into Eastern philosophy. I still am. And I'm a Catholic and it was Catholicism. Even Christianity. Any other religion, well, that's something else. Not pay too much attention, not, not too credible. And um, I thought I had, you know, the, the, the good stuff. And my sponsor took me through the work and we attacked a couple of those things and I got to take my inventory and a lot of these little bullet points that were asleep. And what I came out with was uh, an incredible uh, uh, feeling of open-mindedness <clears throat> to all religions, all walks of life, all ideas, therapeutic community, the shrink community, all of it. And I looked at it like what an abundance of information that I could wrap my arms around, digest and be transformed and be a better agent for God. Prior to that, there were a couple of deadbolts on the doors. So although I thought I was experiencing freedom, and I was, I wasn't free. So the question we ask, how free do we want to be? And if we're sitting in the AA meeting, aside the fact if you're new, but if we're sitting in AA meeting, we're around here a little while, and we're not experiencing freedom, why? Why is that? Another part of the 11 step that I was able to work to, and please understand, this, I didn't do this on my own. I had great teachers with me, great sponsors, a great support group. And the men who came before me, my elders, were really into 10 and 11. I've been blessed that way on this path. But there's something that uh, this, this gentleman talks about. Um, they kind of hit on it with, uh, um, in our book with resentments and fears. Um, one of the things about forgiveness and, and old hurts is I might think I have nothing going on for some, something that happened to me when I was eight or nine. It's called a pain body. And it lays back in here in the, in the mind. You know, the predator, the most dangerous thing in the whole world for me is my thinking mind, my own mind, which follows me wherever I go. It's always trying to figure stuff out and always wants me dead, will settle for me drunk. And there were things that happened to me as a kid. I watched my mom drink herself to death to suicide. And it would bother me and then go away. It would come up and go away. The holidays would show up and I'd get tearful. I'd get angry. I'd get shame and then it'd go away. And I thought I was getting better with it. It just goes dormant. The old hurts, the old pains, they go dormant. Do you ever drive in your car and an old song comes on and you go right back to when that song came out? You're like there. You can almost smell where you are. The people are there, right? You can, it's all there. Or a scent, it takes you right back. This thing called a pain body, these things that haven't been worked through, we haven't turned to God, we haven't done step work, they go dormant. And then something happens to us, an altercation, a, a, a breakup, even a song on the radio, and we go from calm to rage where the people look at us and they know who we are. What is going on with you? That thing woke up. 
And it might be the size of a mustard seed, but as the power of an army. It will take us over and it will level everything in its path. And what it is is fear. Striking out. Just get everyone. Because we're scared to death. And we do this. Please help me, no, stay away. Please help me, no, stay away. We do this. Please help, come, please, I'm dying, no, stay away. The pain body. And the only way I got to see that was through lots and lots and lots of inventory and being brutally honest on paper and brutally honest with my sponsor. And then I surrender because that was really showing me how broken I am after so many years in Alcoholics Anonymous, 10, 15 years in AA. Did I really let my mom off the hook for doing what she did? Was I willing to let this guy who, who, who did bad things with me off the hook? And forgive. Can I forgive this person for what they did? Not forget. Not a fool. Book, big book says God gave us brains to use. I'm not a fool. They're not going to do that again to me. But can I let, just let them be? Can I let myself off the... Can I step out of that old drama? Well, welcome to the NFL. Most of us are not willing to do that. In fact, a lot of... As I'm saying this, I lay out to me in Vegas, a bunch of folks saying, well, it's easy for you to know what happened to me. You don't know what I went through. I was, this was done to me, that was, how dare you even speak like, that's my story. And if you're experiencing that, that's how attached you are to the past, and we won't get free. There's your stumbling blocks. How free do we want to be? Not that, and please understand, I'm not saying forget that stuff as if it never happened. That's not what I'm saying. But are we willing to heal from that and step out of it finally? And when I'm able to step out of that, I become a much more effective agent for the person who's still in that wound, who's still in that hurt, because I'm truly walking a spiritual path. Step 11, incredible things. I suffer from from a kid, a bad belly. Um, They have a name for it. Um, From the time I was a kid, kindergarten, fifth grade, third grade, couple of accidents when I was a little kid, mortified in school, bad belly. And um, from time to time it flares up, but not so much anymore. I take my meds when I need to, and it's, I kind of go about my life. But there was a time in early sobriety, I remember being on the phone uh, with my doctor, doubled, it was right around Thanksgiving time, and I was doubled over on the phone, and he says, well, I'll call in a prescription for you for this medicine. If this doesn't work, I don't know what, we're going to have to do something else. And he says, I can't even make it out of my house. I'm going to call an ambulance. That's where I was taken with this this ailment. And um, so I go on this medication. They did all sorts of testing. Well, Mark H. was my sponsor. My current sponsor is Mickey. I'm from Colorado. And they knew about this condition. And they said, we're not negating the fact that you might have some medical stuff going on there. But we're wondering how much of the wounds that you haven't released are causing this kind of stuff, this dis-ease and discomfort that gets manifested in, oh, my God. Well, I don't want to, ble- I don't want to hear this. I have a bad belly. I need medication. This is, this is serious. This is medical. Right, okay. They put me through the ringer with step work and sent me for some outside help. And little by slow, the demons got released, the demons got released, the demons got released. I was scared to death because I was so used to holding on to and nurturing my, my hurts and my wounds and my mom and my, the, the, the sexual violations and, and my story, Peter Marinelli, it's been tough for me and I'm a warrior. And uh, it was little by slowly released. Does my belly act up from time to time? Yeah. 
Is it a regular occurrence? Absolutely not. Because a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff has been healed. There was a time I'd go to the podium and I would start talking and God would give me words to say. Well, my mom suffered from alcoholism and drug addiction, committed suicide. And part of me was, that's my story. I survived that. Now I just say it. That's just part of my story. There's no identification with it. I'm not hooked into that anymore. My mom, looked at her as a woman, was sick and suffering what we suffer from. But I'm not walking around with this mom story around um, over my back anymore. That's a great freedom. And I'm able to look at my dad with all the cracks in his armor. There's a warrior for you, as loyal as they come. There's no one on the planet I'd rather be in a foxhole with than this guy, because one way or the other, you're getting out. You know. But he was larger than life. He was everything. You know, John Wayne, Tony Soprano, Mickey Mantle, they was everything. One, I mean, this is unbelievable. How do I even deal with a guy like this? No wonder why I was so afraid of him. And I was able through healing, look at him as just flesh and blood. Wonderful man but cracks in the armor. And just yes, I was able to see his humanness. I could even sense some of his fears and concerns about things. My dad's seven going on 77. He's looking at his own mortality. He's nervous about that. I can get that. There was a time ago, oh, no, it can't be. He can't be afraid of anything. This is, how real is that? How in touch am I with life when I'm living like that compared to where God has brought me to? The thing about being on a spiritual path, we're more in touch with others. We're more uh, in touch with someone's hurt and pain. We think we're immune because I'm spiritual, nothing bothers me. Well, it's not going to push me around, but I'm more alive, more in touch with others. That's how we become effective agents for God. Make sense? Eleven step, what a great piece of work. And we need to understand when they put this book together, these guys weren't sober like 30 years. They weren't involved in therapy. They weren't going off oming to spiritual retreats that we have now, silent retreats. By the way, you heard there's a woman's retreat. It's a silent retreat for women. I want to see this. <laughs> Little joke, sorry. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. They were working as hard as they could and they put some ideas on paper not knowing the impact of the 11th step that it was truly God inspired. Right? It's a couple of pages in the 11th step. So when I first uh, started meditating, it was about uh, <clears throat> two minutes. There was a, a, a friend of a friend who got me involved in uh, Meditation. This woman belonged to an ashram, and her whole life was meditation and, and things like that, different religion. But she was really, she looked like alive and healthy and clean. And she loved what AA did, and I was introduced to her, and she gave me instructions on how to meditate. And she put me on a timer for two minutes to meditate. And she told me about posture and breath, which everything I've ever studied talks about posture and breath. A lot of times uh, I watch folks meditate, um, even if it's before a meeting, like we're going to do three minutes of meditation, legs across, arms are folded, books on the, you know, sunglasses in the head. I mean, it's bizarre. You can't do that. And even if it's for two minutes, make it two minutes. It may be the only two minutes you get to lock in ever. Well, I'll meditate tomorrow morning. I'll get serious. No, get serious now. And so the idea would, is 
with posture and breath is how am I sitting for meditation? Can I, do I have to sit in a chair because I can't uh, uh, get into a lotus position? That's fine. Do I have a meditation mat? Do I have a place I go to in my home for meditation? Have I created a space, my space to go and seek this power and worship this power and get silent? Do I have like my trinkets, my AA stuff, maybe my religious articles, and have a little spot in my room and I have a, a, a meditation mat and a cushion on top of it. I have a little altar and all the things that are important to me. Spiritual, religious, diff- even different religions, all placed out there. A lot of times folks in AA give me these little trinkets. They're there. My rosary, beer, everything's out. I have my candles, my sage, everything's there. Sometimes I light it, sometimes I don't. But it's my space. And I have my books. Create a space. Give it some dignity. We're talking about going to God here. This is the guy. So when you start doing that, you'll say, how did I pray driving to work? What... what what was that? That was my prayer time, driving down 95. This is how I seek God. What a, I mean, where's my dignity? Not that God could get insulted, but if God was a human being, he'd be highly insulted. This is how you talk to me? While you're on, you're texting and you're talking to me. That's what it looks like. So I would start off on two minutes, and she put me on a timer, and she told me to work with it. And it's real simple. If you, if you, even if you're sitting in a chair, you should have comfortable clothes on, not shoes or heels or any, just comfortable clothes, like sweatpants and stuff, loose clothes. And go to the same place every morning. Um, what I like to do is anytime I move into a new place, I meditate and ohm in every room. I'll burn sage in every room. But I have my spot. And if, if you're right-handed, you put your right hand like this and your left hand on top, and it's kind of like this, right below your navel where there's a chakra. And your feet are flat. You drop your shoulders. Your head will fall to God gave us a natural kind of position to drop. You don't look up and you don't look down. Just kind of like this. We will breathe without having to remember to breathe. And that's what you want to lock into. And it's simple. Breathing in one, breathing out two. Breathing in one, Breathing out too. See the breath, feel the breath, count the numbers, or get away from the mind. And the first time I did that, two minutes was forever, and I was thinking about everything. Now, some of us might say, well, that's ridiculous. I don't have time to do that. I have time to drink. I have time to take up 10 minutes from the floor sharing about my drama today and wasting the meeting's good time, but I don't have two minutes to go tonight when I get home. Well, Seinfeld's on, I'll meditate tomorrow. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm really tired. I, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. We're always starting some tomorrow. But if I drug you all a bartender, we would not wait till tomorrow. We'd be out there now looking for them. So it takes two minutes tonight. Just go, go lock yourself in the bathroom. If you get kids running around, just put, go in the bathroom. I mean, I tell people, my sponsees, go in the bathroom. Lock the door. No one's going to come in. Two minutes. Kneel, sit on the floor. I don't care. And just work with this. Or you can put your palms up on, on top of your lap. If you do that, just pay attention to the energy and the blood flowing. Lift your palms up off your lap and you'll feel the pulsing. It'll take you away from thinking. Just work with breath. Breathing in one, breathing out. Breathing in one, breathing out two. Breathing in one, like this. Two minutes. Then make it three minutes. Then make it four minutes. Then make it five minutes. Then make it six minutes. Then make it eight minutes. And a few weeks go by you don't need a timer because you're locked in. And then you say, how could I do without it? When I experienced some joy, I realized how angry I was. 
When I experienced love, I realized how much hate I had. Yet we walk around with hate even though we're sober. Watch CNN News, hate. Watch Fox News, hate. Us against them. But we claim spirituality from the podium. Experience some silence, realize how, how noisy we were. Experience some freedom, how attached I was to me and my drama and my story and my, you know, that kind of stuff. Do I have to share at every meeting I go to? Burning desire. My hand constantly going off for burning desire. I got a problem, don't I? Do you have to share at every meeting? That's why I love some of the old timers. They will go to the, the pillars of our community. They'll just sit in the back like elder statesmen, like my friend right here, and just watch us. And when a newbie comes in, boom, she's on him. What can I do for you? She did that for Marion. Didn't know Marion was no. Pillar, that's how we operate. But if I have to soak, I got to share because I had a bad day today, I'm going to share. And I got to participate in the 11th step because I'm guru. So, I, you know, I got some stuff going on, don't I? And the thing about working with meditation, when it becomes a practice, it becomes part of who I be, it be the, the practice becomes me, is I will start to operate that way throughout the day. I'm listening instead of speaking. I'm observing instead of reacting. And I'm clear that I'm known by my creator, that I walk with my creator. And then I get to see she may not know it, he may not know it, but I know they walk with their creator. So when people offend me and they say bad things like happened to me this morning by a dear friend who just just dropped a grenade on my lap, I can walk away and say, forgive him, he doesn't know what he's doing. And not coming from a spiritual hilltop or a condescending tone, but just understanding it for what it is. Did it hurt? Absolutely it hurt. Hurt my heart. But I don't hurt tonight. I understand it. So how am I doing with my 11th step? What would do and speak so loud you can't hear a word I'm saying? I think Thomas Merton said that. My grand sponsor would walk into a room, bless his heart, he's gone home to God. Don P would walk in, just walk in. His eyes were like headlights. Big blue eyes. His smile was just, I got to get near this guy. I don't know what he's doing. I just got to get around this man. His sponsor, Gary Brown, my great-grand sponsor, is humble and quiet as they come. But when he speaks, it has power. He doesn't have to speak. He'll sit through a whole conference and not say one word unless he's called upon. These are effective agents for God. They walk with that quiet voice. Walk softly and carry a big book. There's a bumper sticker that says that. Right? Don't need to share at every meeting. Don't need to talk. I'm clear on what I walk with. I'm clear so I can hear. I'm clear of my feet. I know where they are. I'm grounded. And I'm accountable to people. I'm not sharing to get your approvals. Great share. That was good. So I go home to look at me. I'm, I, yeah, great share. Everyone said so. I'm validated now. Well, seeking validation is a scary way to go because what I'm using is human power rather than the power. It's nice to get a pat on the back and applause. It's wonderful. But if I'm dependent upon that, where's God in all of that? So my practice now is, um, I think I've shared this. It's three times a day. My afternoon, uh, I was talking to a young lady, and I said, my afternoon probably work with these beads. It's about 10 minutes. It's longer than 10 minutes. I, I, I told you it was 10 minutes. It's actually longer than that. Uh, I, I, 10 minutes, it's, it's longer than that. Um, 
but I, more like a half hour. Um, it isn't an effort to do it though. Oh, I gotta go. It's like, how do I not do that? And I, and I think I've shared with you guys in the afternoon, I'll, I'll pull into Publix parking lot, I'll go down by the co, I don't care. I'll just lock my doors, shut it down, and uh, do what I do. And then I go back to work. And everyone knows I disappear. Whether it's on my lunch hour, a little bit of a break, a little lull in the schedule. It used to be, I used to be very strict with 3 o'clock. That was my time to go do that. But work changes that around. So at some point, sometimes it's 1 o'clock, sometimes it's 1.30, sometimes it's 4, sometimes it's 11.30. But I will get that time. But on awakening to set up my day is I go into prayer and meditation. And I give it the time it's supposed to. And I used to time it. It was 10 minutes and 20 minutes. And it was a one minute per hour. So it was 24 minutes. I went through all of this stuff. Seeking, seeking, seeking. And then one day it was made abundantly clear to me. Let him determine how long he needs to be in meditation. Sometimes 10 minutes is more than enough. Sometimes I need to be there in more time. I've been in meditation for a really long time. Really long time. And sometimes it's just 10 minutes. On the average, it's about 15, 20 minutes I'm in meditation. I don't even pay attention to time anymore. And what I just started doing recently is I'm up at 5, 5.30 in the morning. Mary thinks I'm nuts. Um, but I, I get up early and I do my stuff. And right before I'm out to work, i just been moved late and I pay attention to it just to sit with, on the mat and just, just kind of check in with God again. I get a few more minutes be- before I go out the door. And that is starting to become a practice. I just did it once and twice, and now it's a thing. I work with anointing oil. It's, something that I, it's just something that I've been moved to work with. And these things I'm doing now are just part of the practice for me. My 11th said is very dear to me, very sacred to me. In fact, I've got to be honest, I'm even uncomfortable talking about some of these things. Not because I don't want to share them. I just, they're very personal to me, but my job is to share what I do. And I'm not sharing to say, look at me. It's not what this talk is about. I'm just kind of letting you into my life a little bit. So I work with anointing oil. I've been burning sage again. That's just what I do. It doesn't say in the big book. But it says, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. So some people burn sage. I've been doing that forever. I shut it down for a while. I've been doing that. And I've been back to lighting this one particular candle. Just this one specific candle. And that's just part of my deal in the morning. It's very, very quiet in my house. I'm very, very quiet. And the fun thing is if, if you're with someone who's on the same path where they're reading scripture and you're reading scripture and you're reading big book and they're reading big book. And it's kind of like this thing. It's just kind of what a great thing to experience. And then tonight when I get home, I, you know, I'll settle in and I'll, I'll disappear into my room. And um, I'll uh, thank, thank my father for, you know, a great day, no matter what went on. Finally, um, and I don't want to get into breaking traditions, but for new folks, um, especially young folks, I'm running into a lot of young folks who don't even know what their religious origin is. Now, when I was growing up, everyone knew. You knew if you were Jewish, you knew if you were a Catholic, you knew if whatever it was, you knew. I mean, whether you observed those, uh, uh, that or not, it was not the point. You knew. When you were in grade school, um, 
We knew who we were. And I see the 20-something kids coming into recovery, and I talk to them, well, what religion back? I, I, I don't know. How could you not know? I think I'm Catholic. Were you baptized? I think I'm Jewish. Did you, what do you mean you think? How could you think? Well, we have no, what do you mean you have no religion? And it's really kind of a, 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 a represents what's going on right now. I mean, we're becoming a, a secular country. We look more like other countries than America. And to come into AA and we're told to follow God, you will catch some grief for that. God is a bad word right now. Talking about a religion is a bad thing right now. It's not popular. And you come in today and say, God, higher power, God of your understanding, go pray. Read the big book, it encourages us to go back to our religion. That's not a popular thing. And for new folks coming in in their 20s, this is, wow, what? None of my friends do this. I wasn't brought up with this. Talk about God at a diner to civilians. They'll just ignore you. Oh, no, he's going to talk about this. Oh, you're a Jesus freak. Oh, Lord, have mercy. This one's got the star of David. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? It's just not popular. Watch the news for 10 minutes. And they're pulling God out of everything. And we're all falling on our ass in, in the world right now. I mean, it's, it's a mess. There's a connection between those two. So we get new folks come into AA and we're talking about God. To, go talk about God. You go shout it from the rooftops. And those who want it will fall and those who don't, you pray for them. You go get God. You experience his power and you will, you will really be enlightened. You will be full for the first time. You will be enlightened. You will be joyful. You will be free. You go find God. You go talk about God. You experience God. Go share God. Just talk about God. And no one wants to hear that's okay. We do in AA, believe it or not. We want to talk about God in AA. That's what they did here. You speak to some of our old timers. They'll tell you the stories when they came in. Get God. Go get God. Experience God. And that's why a lot of folks are dying in AA. And a lot of folks have no idea of what's behind step 11 because we don't talk about God. There's a fellowship. I was talking to a gentleman today from another fellowship. And he says they don't even like the word God in that fellowship. They refer to just as higher power. You can't say God. People will get annoyed. I said, what kind of fellowship is this? What do you mean? And so we study comes of age in some of our history books. And we see the richness in that. I can tell how good I'm doing. Not but what I own, but what I don't need. What I don't need is to get caught up in controversy and gossip and what's popular. What I do need is a relationship with God. And that makes me feel at home wherever I go. Step 11. How's our prayer life? How's our meditative life? How's my nightly review doing? And am I passing this on? Am I getting God and getting the effects by God but afraid to share God from a podium because I'm looking for approval from others? Am I sharing God from the floor? You know, am I talking about God or am I afraid of, well, I'm going to catch some resistance to some of the folks in my meeting? So what? God didn't deny you when you showed up on that day you got sober. You're going to deny him. That's all I got. Peace.